The poem is titled Playing in the Mines, and it begins with an admonition. Never go down there, Father told you, over and over. The hexing cross nailed onto the door read, Danger, danger. But the young speaker of the poem ignored the warnings and followed the sooty scent of coal dust until he came to a point where the playing stopped. The poem continues. You heard old voices pleading in the rocks. They were all your fathers, longing to fix you under their gaze and to go back with you. But the young lad stands in mine water to his ankles. Never, never, he says, standing frozen in fear, wailing. That from the poem, Playing in the Mines by J. Perini, collected in a volume titled Coal Seam, edited by Karen Blomain and published by the University of Scranton Press. Jay Perini spent his growing up years in Scranton, a time when children often misbehaved and entered abandoned mines at their peril. But we sense more in the dissent in this poem. Would young folks be discouraged from descending into the dark world, into the ways that were lived by family after family in this place? Don't go into that history. Don't explore that history. Too much pain there. In any case, it's instructive to start with an image that comes from coal, because Jay Perini believes strongly that that is what we all need to do. The University of Scranton is inviting us to explore Scranton's history, the dark and the light and the in-between, with our eyes wide open, as part of a two-year grant awarded by the National Endowment for the Humanities. The project is titled Scranton's Story, Our Nation's Story. The inaugural event will take place this Tuesday, October 19th, at the Scranton Cultural Center. Jay Perini is a distinguished poet, novelist, biographer, author of screenplays and criticism, and professor of English and creative writing at Middlebury College. Perini will return to Scranton to present the keynote lecture and to interact with an impressive panel and the audience. We had a chance to speak by Zoom with Dr. Perini in anticipation of Tuesday's program about the two-year exploration of Scranton's stories getting underway. I think it's very exciting. I mean, I've been thinking about Scranton my whole life. You know, I grew up there and uh, went to Westside High School. And I've been going back to Scranton endlessly throughout my entire life. And I've been somewhat baffled and saddened sometimes to see the way Scranton is viewed in the public imagination. And I thought there was um, a wonderful opportunity here to talk about Scranton in a different light, to really think about its history, its contributions to American society and history, and to really reflect on the past as a way forward, because I think we can never go forward without a proper view of our past. And so I'm something of an historian myself and a creative writer, so I thought I, I can bring my own gifts such as they are to the table here and think about Scranton in, in hopefully a fresh way. 
You clearly are someone who is so keen in intellect and sensibilities. When you were little, Jay, and you were at school, were you just in an ocean that was Scranton, or were you self-aware enough to ask questions about this place where you were? Well, early on, I looked around and I saw the, 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 the terrible scar marks of, of our post-industrial past. And I looked around and saw the beauty of nature. And I also saw the beauty of the people. And I wondered about all the contradictions and what Scranton really was and what role it played in the world and would continue to play. So, um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit next week about growing up there and, you know, seeing the coal breakers and thinking about the mining and my own family's relationship to anthracite mining. But I'm also interested in the railways and in Scranton as electric city and the really innovative qualities of, of uh, in Scranton going back to the 1850s and 60s. And I mean, really, Scranton was an early center for the American railroad industry, but especially with the electric trolley. And I think there's a lot here that's never been unpacked properly or thought about. And you've written about Scranton in poems, right? And the Patch yes. Boys. Were those ways of exploring more deeply the nuances of those questions you just outlined for us? You know, literature is, is always the work of finding a language that's somehow adequate to our own experience, and especially our deepest experience. And so I'm interested in the images that come out of Scranton, the burning comb dumps, the mines, uh, the, the railroads, the beautiful mountains of East Mountain and West Mountain, the Poconos nearby. But I'm also interested in how, how literature opens us up to the deeper feelings that are associated with these images, because Scranton is a place of passionate, deep feelings. And I want to explore the range of that. I did this in The Patch Boys, my novel, um, and I returned to Scranton in several novels. And my last big volume of poetry was my collected poems from 1975 to 2015, 40 years of poetry. And there's a big long section of new Scranton poems in there where I keep returning to the anthracite region, Lackawanna County, West Scranton, and, and thinking again and again about the meaning of this area. And in the grant as it's laid out, there is a yeah. sense of the story of Scranton and the story of the nation. So that work that you're doing is also a consideration in that way of what we reflect about the larger story of the country. Sure, Scranton has to really uh, get beyond thinking of itself as an isolated, strange, unique place. It's an emblematic place. It's a place which has, where has deep roots in, for instance, labor history. I mean, John Mitchell worked in Scranton, organized the United Mine Workers of America from Scranton. Uh, you know, we go back to the 1902 anthracite strike, which was huge in American labor history. When you look at the history of industrialization in America, steel plays a big role in it, as does iron. And going back to the 1850s, you had the Scranton brothers who were really putting forward steel factories and iron factories to make T-rails for the railways, which were just burgeoning throughout the Northeast and then pushing even to the West. So Scranton played a very crucial role in the development of the railway industry and transportation. We have the sense, of course, when people ask us where we're from and we say we're from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and they go, oh, yes, the office or things like yeah. similar things like that. What do those popular culture impressions do for a place like Scranton, do you think, in terms of our self-identity? Well, they're a terrible mixed bag. On the one hand, they actually 
elevate Scranton in the popular imagination to a place people know about. Uh, people think in many ways fondly of Scranton because of the office, um, but it's also become a bit of a joke. It's always called the armpit of the nation. There's so many jokes about Scranton and politicians from Trump to uh, Joe Biden, of course, have used Scranton as a kind of symbolic or emblematic Rust Belt city. And in many ways that's rather inaccurate and not terribly useful. I don't know if Scranton is really a Rust Belt place, but uh, you know, it certainly has been as a post-industrial landscape and has suffered in the last you know, half a century from declining population. And the fact that the industries that were very useful to its rise, especially coal and steel and railways um, started to disappear in, in, in 1940. And so we're gone by 1950. I mean, the electric trolleys ended in 1954. And so we're looking at a story of rise and fall but I think that the, the, really the fall has been a long, slow fall. And I think Scranton really has opportunities here now to move way beyond that image. And so I'd like to see a change of uh, vision of Scranton, really. And there are hopes that some of the stories that have been untold about communities like the black community in Scranton and the indigenous peoples here before any of the European immigrants came to the region will be more fully documented, at least in a project like this. I would hope so. We just think about the name Lackawanna. It's a beautiful Indian name, right? It just means a bend to a forking river. Uh, so there are some, if you look around, Susquehanna, Tunkhannock. These are all beautiful Indian names. Native American language is right there at the source of it, you know? So Scranton played a huge role before it was Scranton, before it was Slocum Hollow. I also think that one of the wonderful opportunities here is to perhaps as we go along, understand the role of the arts. People like you who have come from our area, Merwin, W.S. Merwin, who has come from Scranton and written about sure. Scranton and the way the arts are helping with the revitalization. Yeah, when I talk about Scranton, people are often startled when I say, well, yeah, um, when I was a kid, within you know, a few miles of my house, jo Joe Biden grew up, but Hillary Clinton's family was visiting her family, was from the area, her father was a Scrantonian. Bill Merwin, W.S. Merwin, lived only a few blocks from my house. Uh, up the street from me, not far long before me, was you know the great psychologist B.F. Skinner, who's probably the most important psychologist in the 20th century in America. He's you know B.F. Skinner, my God, founder of the school called Behaviorism, professor at Harvard for many years. But you know there's so many such a great tradition even of theater. Not only Jason Miller, but going back to Gene Kerr, who had the large longest running hit on Broadway, Mary Mary. I mean she was huge and Tony Award, Pulitzer Prize. I mean, she was a deep Scrantonian. So, um, you know, there is a very rich cultural history here. You'll be speaking with Maria McDonald of the Marywood University School of Architecture and the Center for the Living City. And she has lots to say and feel about Jane Jacobs and the way Jane Jacobs' sensibility was formed here. Sure, Jane Jacobson, you can hardly get a more formative social historian, sociologist than, than Jane Jacobs. She played a huge role in, in American thinking broadly. So when you get together, you'll talk, and as you say, you'll be speaking about your roots in Scranton. 
but also then you'll be drawing these various panelists into the conversation. Joe Krauss is an English professor on the faculty at the university. He's wonderful. He's written a study of the Jewish mafia yeah. in Chicago. That's, and yeah. also Glynis Johns, who founded the Black Scranton Project to begin to unearth more of those stories about the black community and the black history in Scranton. So you'll have a wonderful group to interact with. Well, it's very exciting. I hope we get a big audience next week because it really deserves a wide audience. I think we'll have a great conversation. For people who may be just learning about the grant and the opportunities with the university to pursue these questions and look at a community, what would you say to encourage people to think about taking part in some way? What are the fruits that could be a result of a project like this, do you think? Well, Erica, this is a unique opportunity for Scrantonians and people from the area to really delve into their history, to think about how the past has a way of shining a light into the future. And this is a unique grant, as I say, a great opportunity for the University of Scranton, Marywood, for everybody in the region to really pool their resources, bring their brains and minds and hearts together and really have a turning point here, a change of heart about Scranton by understanding what it really is, what it can be and uh, you know where it's going. Jay Perini, distinguished poet, novelist, biographer, author of screenplays and criticism, and professor of English and creative writing at Middlebury College in Vermont. He spent his growing up years in Scranton. We have spoken with Dr. Perini in anticipation of Tuesday's program, and Tuesday's program is part of a two-year grant awarded by the National Endowment for the Humanities to the University of Scranton. The project is titled Scranton's Story, Our Nation's Story. And this event will take place at the Scranton Cultural Center Tuesday evening at 7. Scranton in the popular imagination is the focus, and the keynote lecture will be provided by Jay Perini. There will be a distinguished panel and also audience discussion. Glynis John is founder and CEO of the Black Scranton Project. Dr. Joe Krause is professor and department chair of English and theater at the University of Scranton. And Maria McDonald is executive director of the Center for the Living City, and she's part of Marywood University's architecture faculty. Registrations are required, and if you'd like to make those registrations online, surveymonkey.com slash r slash imagine Scranton. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash imagine Scranton. Scranton in the Popular Imagination, a program this Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock at the Scranton Cultural Center, part of the two-year project that is made possible by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities to the University of Scranton. The project is titled Scranton's Story, Our Nation's Story, and the university is working with partners throughout the two-year period. This is the inaugural event, and you are invited to attend. Registration is required. SurveyMonkey.com slash R slash Imagine Scranton.